Let's attend to God's Word. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in His ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep, you, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. This is God's holy and inspired word. It contains all that we need for faith and for life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Let's once again pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Bible. May it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We don't take... We don't take this word for granted. Many martyrs have spilt their blood to place this in our hands. And so make us attend to it well. We ask in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Blaise Pascal in his Ponsais recalled that all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. They will never take the least step but to this object, This is the motive of every action and every man, even of those who hang themselves. I find the words of Blaise Pascal so insightful that all of us seek happiness, even the one who hangs himself. This is also stated in our Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, That all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The writers of this declaration surely were correct when they described the pursuit of happiness as having been endowed by the Creator. This Christians and non-Christians can agree on. But there is a wrong way to pursue happiness and a correct way. The correct way is only revealed in the Bible. If you want to be happy or fortunate, it is by walking in the law of the Lord. And this, the blameless one, does. However, we cannot do that on our own powers. We cannot be blameless in our own strength. The only blameless one is the Lord Jesus Christ, 
And we can only be blameless if we have faith in Him and have Him impute to us this blamelessness, which enables us the power to be blameless. We will see this in time. But let's look at the doctrine of the text for a moment. The doctrine of the text is happy people are blameless in the sight of God. I'll repeat that. Happy people are blameless in the sight of God. I would like to divide this exposition up into four parts. The first heading is, what does it mean to be blessed? The second, what does it mean to be blameless? The third is, the blameless one can only be Jesus Christ. And the fourth heading is, the blameless one gives the power to be blameless. Uh, you'll find all these things uh, in, in the insert. In, in, uh, I've, I've given you all these things in the insert um, of the bulletin. So, uh, what does it mean to be blessed? As I said when I gave you an introduction to Psalm 119, the psalm is an acrostic, which means every eight verses begin with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. This one is identified as Aleph. And each verse begins with the same letter. So Aleph in the Hebrew alphabet corresponds to the letter A in English. And this first word is Ashrei, the word for blessed. It spans the Psalter 19 other times and it always focuses on God or His word except for Psalm 137, verses 8 and 9. The Greek Old Testament translates this word, makarioi, and this connects it to the Greek New Testament, because Jesus' Sermon on the Mount translates that text this way, blessed are the poor in spirit, and so on. The word blessed quite honestly, could mean happy. In fact, the older commentaries are insistent that it should be translated happy. John Calvin, Thomas Manton, Matthew Henry, Charles Bridges, etc. And even newer commentaries, such as Robert Robert Alter, translates it happy. Mark Furtado only diverges with a synonym of happiness, which he translates it joy. Bruce Waltke interprets this word fortunate, and Alan P. Ross just maintains blessed. So they are united in translating it happy, or a synonym of happy. However, as I said before, there is a wrong way to look for happiness and a right way to look for it. And ultimately, the happy person is the blessed person. And the blameless person walks in the law of the Lord. However, to get to that point in this passage, we need to ask another question. What does it mean to be blameless? As the Bible begins in Genesis 1 through 3 with a covenant which promised blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience, I would like to suggest that Psalm 119 begins the same way. You will remember the covenant of works 
or life that God made with Adam. The Word of God says in Genesis 2, 15-17, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. This was a covenant. A covenant contains blessings for obedience and threatens curses for disobedience. You can conclude that he promised eternal life in the blessing that you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but curses for disobedience. In the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. These are the blessings and curses by which theologians confirm that this was indeed a covenant. And furthermore, a covenant of works or life or the first covenant. Adam knew that this was an authoritative statement because it was spoken of by God. In this covenant, God bound Adam and Eve to keep this and threatened death upon the disobedience of this covenant. When God first gave the covenant of works to his people, through Adam, he had the power and ability to keep it. Let me tell you uh, why I believe this is an illustration or explanation of the covenant of grace. Or excuse me, the covenant of works. Uh, First, this psalm has similar vocabulary with Genesis 2 through 3. In Genesis 2.15, do you remember that God places them in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it? Keep it comes from the word shamar. That is precisely the word that is contained in Psalm 119, verses 4 and in verse 8. Keep or kept. Those who walk in the law of the Lord that is described in Psalm 119.1 is reminiscent of the Lord walking in the cool of the day described in Genesis 3. Further, in Genesis 2.25, the word of God says that they were naked and unashamed. The same word that is in Psalm 119.6, then I shall not be put to shame. So the the vocabulary of Psalm 119 and Genesis 2, 2 and 3 is one reason for connecting this to the covenant of works. However, I have not committed to this just for vocabulary purposes, but also because of the promised blessings and threatened curses. Let's take the first. Promised blessings to the blameless one. There are promises of blessings if you keep the law of the Lord. If Adam had kept the covenant, he would not have, excuse me, he would have been blameless. But Adam was cursed, as was all humanity. The text says in verse 1, this is uh, verse 1, this is verse 1 of Psalm 119, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. But just what is it to be blameless? Blameless can be translated a variety of ways, 
innocent, virtuous, righteous, or faultless. The King James and the New King James offer the word undefiled, but most often other translations render the term just as blameless. But I ask the question again, just what is it to be blameless? The blameless person, according to this passage, is one who, A, walks in the law of the Lord. Blessed, verse 1 says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. This walking is not just putting one foot in front of the other, but means instead a whole course of life in obedience to the law of God. This reminds me of the peripatetic school of Aristotle. He was not established like Plato in a house of mortar and bricks. And legend has it that Aristotle used to walk with his students, symbolizing the teachings of Aristotle literally walked with him and his students. The psalmist says, way three times in five verses. In verse 1, 3b, and 5. So that you walk wherever you go, whether sitting or standing, whether sleeping or rising from bed, everything in the law of the Lord. Or, which amounts to the same thing, verse 2 says, Blessed are those who keep His testimonies. It is... It is to be a way of life that you walk in the law of the Lord or to keep his testimonies. The blameless person also seeks the Lord with his whole heart. Those would receive this blessing of happiness that would receive this blessing of happiness are required to seek him, the Lord. Psalm, excuse me, Psalm 14.2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. The Lord concludes in verse 3, They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. This is stated for all humanity that descended from Adam by ordinary generation. Not one in them, not one of them seeks after God. No one does good. This promised blessing is for those who seek God with all their heart, with the whole heart. This is no lip service obedience. The promised blessing comes to those who are blameless who seek the Lord with their whole hearts. Furthermore, the promised blessing is for also the promised blessing is for those who also do no wrong. Verse 3 says, "Blessed are those who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways." The shorter catechism says, Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. This means that where you don't conform to the law, you are guilty of sin. 
Or if you transgress against the law of God, if you don't follow its prescriptions, because you don't want to obey its commands, you are guilty of sin. There is no room for error. If you behave in sin, if you omit any law or commit something that is a violation of the law of God, you are equally guilty of sin. This means that you have done the meaning and the blameless one does no wrong. Again, this promised blessing goes even further. If you are to be blameless, you must commit to keeping His commandments with diligence. Verse 4. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Synonyms of diligently are conscientiously, meticulously, and assiduously. You must keep every command and do it meticulously if you want to receive this blessing of happiness. This means having your eyes fixed on the commandments as verse 6 states, Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. To keep these commandments diligently, you must have your eyes sincerely and conscientiously fixed on all the Lord's commandments. This is what it means to be blameless. This is exhausting, isn't it? To be blameless involves a condition of perfect and personal obedience. To be blameless means to walk in the law of the Lord, that you seek the Lord with all of your heart and do absolutely nothing wrong and with all diligence. But what is more, you have threatened curses if you don't obey. Let's take the curses. The curses of the unblameless. Psalm 119.5 says, Oh, that my way may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Shame was what our first parents felt when they disobeyed the law of the Garden of Eden. Formerly, they were both naked. In Genesis 2.25 And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. But now, they were ashamed when they had eaten of the tree that God had told them not to. Genesis 3, 7 and following. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and and themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. They were ashamed When they heard the footsteps of the Lord, they bowed down in shame when they heard the footsteps of the Lord and they hid from God only because they knew that they had been disobedient to the Lord. They were not blameless anymore. They had not 
been obedient to the law of God. Formerly, they were innocent, but now they had disobedience marked upon them. Sin and the regenerate always leads to shame when it is revealed. Consider David who prays in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot, me, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. When sin is revealed, if you are regenerate, you only have shame. Shame that you have disobeyed God and done what is evil in his sight. The curses extend ultimately to death. Genesis 2.17 says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. This includes actual physical death, You will actually die a first death. But this is not just a physical death. It also includes a spiritual death. The day that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the day they died spiritually. Just as Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is death. Not just a physical death, but also a spiritual death. Again, this is exhausting, isn't it? To know that the blessing is promised to the blameless. But in order to be blameless, you must walk in the law of the Lord. You must seek the Lord with your whole heart, doing no wrong and with all diligence. But every one of us is cursed by not being blameless. The third heading is thankfully The blameless one can only be Jesus Christ. This is revealed by the types and shadows, all of which point us to Christ. The word blameless occurs in in various portions of the Old Testament scripture and particularly all point to the person and work of Christ. First, the the Passover lamb. Exodus 12.5 says, uh, says that the Passover lamb is said to be unblemished at, or without blemish. The same word for blameless that is revealed in Psalm 119.1. The animal sacrifices. All the animal sacrifices said 22 times in Leviticus alone were to be unblemished. That is the same word for blameless in Psalm 119.1. The priests in Leviticus 8.1-8 and 9.1-7, the priests were be, to be consecrated uh, blameless with, with an atonement offering to establish them as blameless. The same word spoken of in Psalm 119.1. The kings. The kings were to be blameless as well. David said in 2 Samuel 22 that he was to be blameless. 
Well, he was far from blameless. If we only know the story of the adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah the Hittite, we all know that he wasn't blameless. However, all these things were types and shadows to point you to to Jesus Christ. As Hebrews 10 says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. These types and shadows were to make you perfect. In other words, blameless. But these sacrifices of the priests or kings cannot make you perfectly blameless. Only Christ Jesus can make you blameless. Jesus is the only one who can fulfill the covenant of works. If you are not in Christ, you are still under the covenant of works and you are held responsible for your disobedience to that covenant. But if you have faith in Christ, you have been admitted to the covenant of grace and Christ obeys the covenant of works And fulfills this for you. Jesus imputes to you that blamelessness. Because he is truly the only one who can fulfill that covenant. The covenant of works. He imputes to you righteousness and blamelessness. By which you are justified in God's sight. Jesus is the only one who always walks in the law of the Lord. Jesus is the only one who always seeks after God with his whole heart. Jesus is the only one who always does no wrong. Finally, Jesus is the only one who always walks in the law of the Lord with diligence. He imputes to you his blamelessness, or as we often say, his righteousness. But that is just another name for blameless. If you have faith in Him, the blameless one, He credits you His blamelessness. As I said uh, in my 1 Corinthians 1.8 sermon, Paul says, God shall also confirm you unto the end that you shall be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a promise of the risen and ascended Christ that you will be considered blameless in the day of our Lord. This leads to the fourth heading. The blameless one gives you power to be blameless. Jesus gives you power to be blameless. He rescues you from sin's dominion and calls you to be blameless. You are blameless already, but not yet entirely. In fact, blameless blameless is spoken of in 11 verses in the New Testament. And these 11 passages assume that the Christian has the power to be blameless. Not entirely, but really and truly. This is the promise of the already but not yet. I will recite some of them to you. 
Ephesians 1.4 says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. 1 Thessalonians 3.13 So that He may establish you your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. Finally, Jude 24 says in the great benediction, Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. You have been given the power to be blameless. Not perfectly, not without any sin, not without indwelling sin that you have to fight with, but in every way you ought to strive to be blameless. This leads us to our applications. I have two this evening. Praise God for revealing to us this blameless one. Praise God that He reveal to us this blameless one. Without Jesus, we would be lost for all eternity. The Old Testament people of God had the promises of the blessed and the blameless one to come. We, in the New Testament epic, have looked back on Him. As Jonathan Edwards makes these points, so do I. Just think about this. In His incarnation, He obeyed all the works of God as appointed to a man, as a Jew, and as a mediator. He obeyed every law perfectly in His greatest trials and temptations and diligently with respect to God and to the honor of His law and also during His private life and His public ministry. In every way, Jesus was perfectly blameless. We need to praise God for sending this Jesus, the blameless one, to us. This leads to the the second exhortation. Be blameless. Be blameless. If you have been given the power to be blameless, go and do so. After all, verse 1 in this passage says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless. And verse 2, Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. In Christ, you have been given the power to be blameless. To walk in the law of the Lord as a ruler, excuse me, as a rule of life, as the Westminster Confession says in 19.6. You can walk in integrity and walk in the law without reproach already, but not yet fully and finally. So walk in the law of the Lord with utmost integrity and be blameless. Happy are the blameless in the sight of God, and I exhort you to walk in integrity and be blameless. 
if you want to be happy. This brings us full circle. If you want to be happy, you must be blameless in the sight of God, walking in the law of the Lord. But you are only blameless when you take Jesus Christ as the object of your faith. And then He imputes to you this blamelessness and gives you power to be blameless as well. So thank God for the blameless one and be blameless. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for sending this blameless one to us. We thank You for sending us this blameless one. Now, may You equip us with the power to be blameless. And we realize that we'll not be blameless without sin and without uh, transgressions. But grant us the power to walk in integrity and, and walk in the law of the Lord in, in every way. Give us the power. As Augustine was famed for this saying, and I probably won't get it right. Give us grace to walk in Your ways. And then we will receive grace to walk in Your ways. Something like that. But without Your grace... We cannot do this. And we cannot walk in the power of, of, of the blameless one. But grant us the power and we can only do this by grace. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.